back to our reading. I hate this microphone. I Poets, ladies and gentlemen, those were poets. Totally unmetaphoric. Okay, yeah, awesome. Poetry night rings through. On Monday, April 29th, we said... This poem is titled, You Have Geography, and it's by Beverly Birch. You have childhood like Georgia, hot and green. Creatures in the grass between floorboards batting at the screen door. The lush humidity of mothers, fathers. Stringed legs and bowed wings chant the short-lived life. The gentle rise of the Blue Ridge, terraced trails, cascading water. Nothing warns where you're headed. What you feel as time passing is just scenery flickering by. The leafy world flattens to prairie. Hills become fields that only seem endless. Cities muscle across the landscape, noisy, gaping, rank as bison. With generous soil, a productive grassland, you survive your first April blizzard, a year when the grain's against you. But the distance to everywhere lengthens, and sometimes the plush spectacle of cloudscapes, lakes wider than the eye, is one tedious ride. The high country. You hit big wind through jagged peaks, rasp of dry timber. The tight coil of the mind unspools on the horizon, slow afternoons to observe beasts of prey, redtail, rattler, coyote. Solitary and singular they are, circling you, persevering, weather coasting by. Beverly Birch, ladies and gentlemen. Please welcome Lizzie to the stage. Um, this is The Keep. Too much for the house, it founders the splintered front porch. Litter boxes, a down comforter, stacked paper bags packed with magazines. Ridged towers of corpse-colored egg cartons. A chest freezer, rust blooming across its white plains. Two ladder-back chairs, their cat-scratched wicker seats bleached gray. A glass-globe light fixture, planted on a sideways armchair like a dim, lidless eye. Mildew creeps across the crouch... (laughs) Excuse me. Mildew creeps across the couches, etching faces blotchy and startle-eyed like tired farm wives in old photographs. The twisted path to the front door has vanished under plastic bag drifts, fast food wrappers tight as clenched fists, flaccid mylar balloons draped over throw pillows with gaped cotton mouths. For a time, she could squeeze out the back between two dead refrigerators. The maple crib cradles empty tin cans. 
piled pictures against the walls curl quietly behind their panes. She licks dust from chipped mixing bowls and swallows phantom waves from unplugged radios. She counts Monopoly game pieces and masses altars of pink socks and crayon rainbows. Embraced on all sides, her bound emptiness abscesses. Though surrounded by memories, she dwells on the absences. That's Lizzie. Give her a hand. Let's keep it going. Let's welcome Chris Gusta to the stage. Springtime is for thinking of all the people in love dying in flaming wrecks on the interstate. Everyone loves the ride on a sunny day, what with sundresses and ice cream cones, returning from hibernation and winding up on parade across America's arterials. Arterials are for opening up. Windshields don't shower glass anymore, unlike so many parts of yourself. How are all your jaws of life fantasies in this season? Springtime is a spoke of the cycle, and as the wheels turn over you, it's okay to remember comfort, the feel of green grass on your cheek, the cold aroma of gasoline in the passing lane. Somewhere between now and now, we can eat all of the things that stain and drink the leftover wine-turned vinegar and sleep on the floor before the sink. I could have learned to swim like open wrists in bathtubs once, but the small panics are duller now. They only last in photographs. We're blinking in and out around, and somewhere we are not on the inside because it is empty and because we are flying from trees like in the fall. Thanks. And this is my last one. The best way to avoid getting attacked by sharks is not to swim in the ocean, but man has to do everything, I guess. Filled with envy, turning himself into a fish, a bird, a machine, mechanized heart, iron lung. The other day I found myself being proud of autonomy, but it's not very far off from automaton. I am proud of my cooled, smooth skin. Even Icarus was not original in this regard. He got the idea from his father, turning himself into a bird, in his father, a candle in the sun. But in the end, he was turned into a pile of dirty laundry, in or out of the maze. Original is pretty much the one thing you can't become, Icarus. Try as you will, you're a slave to influence. If you're going to fly that way, then you better do it fast. Thanks. That's Chris Gusta. Give him a hand. Would you please welcome Jeff Klinsky to the stage? In Cretan vaults, I remember damp places, wet rocks flourishing with moss. Overhead, stones arch, and below feet, where hollows, I kick up still water. Crossroads where twigs pile up, corners thick with chalk ticks. Down hallways, 
worn paths like two split hooves. My shoulders brush vines hanging from cave roof fingers. I shiver, leaving my string unattended. Something hostile takes hold. I pick unworn paths, pools thick with dry algae, finding fewer markers, less chalk. I twist away to dark corners, huffing bullmen, hard scratch of horn impending. Fear attends me, three untraced paths. New stones find my way towards center, towards quiet. A courtyard. Sunlight strikes a blooming fountain. Moss. Bones. No minotaur. Thanks. Jeff Klinsky, ladies and gentlemen, keep it going. Keep it going and please welcome Boris to the stage. Mike and I are going back to the desert again, but not to kick some more ass or take later names or neither a million other predictable reasons. This is not a storybook written as we go. This is not a puppet show, nor are we written in sandstone blocks or sand on the beach to wash out with the tide. Mike and I are going back to the desert again, carrying the ocean with us between two poles, not at all like big game hunters. This is not a fantasy slideshow, and these are not martini dreams made for idiots with very short shelf lives. This is not meant to last for forever or fortnight. This isn't the sins of our father coming by to visit, nor are we faces pressed against the screen. This is Mike and I going back to the desert where ass will be kicked. (laughs) My second worst real-life waking nightmare ever. True story. Stan, not his real name, rode in the back seat of his car, kicking the bottom of his girlfriend's seat. Yeah, I'm going to be in the New Yorker. All I've got to do is get my portfolio done. I'm about halfway there. Turn here. I pulled his car into his driveway and shut the engine off. Stan, not his real name, was a friend, and I was prepared to sit until another call came in. I must have tilted my head, listening to the great tolling bell, the clamor of the angel opening the first seal, for Stan, not his name, mistook it as interest and invited me in. Hey, you want to come up and see some of my drawings? I've got a nice big one I've just finished. It's the one that's going to get an agency interested in me. Come on in and check it out. The second seal was opened, and Stan, who was not Stan, closed the door behind us and gestured at the couch meaningfully. Another great gonging rang out, and the third seal broken, I sat unaware of what was about to happen to me. His girlfriend was giving me weird looks, full of terror and desperation, and Stan, not Stan, called out from the kitchen, "'Can I get you something to drink?' I answered, "'Sure, whatever's clever,' and the fourth seal gave way." There was no longer any turning back. I know I'm primed to get recognized any day now. I've shown a few people my work, and they've all agreed with me that it's that good. Here you go. My hand closed around the dripping glass of ice water, and a great crack ran through the skies. 
Let me show you. I'll be right back. And I took a drink of his water, and the fifth seal was undone, and his girlfriend softly whimpered, and he returned from his bedroom with a cloth-bound snap case with brass fittings and a leather strap inlaid with plush black velvet. He handed me the case, and the sixth seal was torn wide. Tell me what you think, he said, and they were the last words ever spoken in the entire universe just before its end, as I opened his book of images and shattered the seventh and final seal. I swear to you, I had no way of knowing that the seventh seal was in actuality my mind, but there it was, and there they were, his horrible, horrible pictures. His girlfriend choked. There was some conversation which I can't remember through the fog of dissociation. I remember hearing myself say at one point, Have you ever thought about going to art school? To which he gave pat answer, dismissing the institutional machine and touting who over what you know. His girlfriend said, See, he thinks so too, but Stan, not his real name, would have none of it. He was so, so, so serious. Thanks. Thank you, Boris. Keep it going for Boris. Would you please welcome Scott Casey to the stage? So this piece I performed at the Kitchen Sessions uh, a week or so ago, uh, I played it on guitar, but it seems it's kind of an interesting thing. It's by Francois Villon, who was a French poet, thief, uh, and wrote in the 15th century. Then it was translated uh, into Victorian slang by a poet named William Henley, um, who also wrote, I just was reading, a, a seven-volume slang, its analogs past and present, back in the 1800s. Um, this is not Henley's translation, but it gives you an indication of how things can sound uh, good and bad, and this is bad. Just like I'll read a quick version of someone else's translation of the poem that I'm going to read by Villon. Ye who be smugglers of papal bulls or cheaters at dice, whatever be ye, coiners who risk life and limb like fools, then boil in hot oil for their felony. Traitors disloyal, ye know who ye be, stealers of jewels, of perfume and pearls. So where goes it all that ye get in fee, all to the taverns and to the girls. So Villon wrote in a French slang, and uh, obviously it wasn't captured in that, but Henley, who wrote this, who knew slang well, uh, translated it. And the it's about thieves basically getting their spoils, whatever they win, whatever they gain, but it all goes, it says, to booze and blow and cop the lot. So wine and women, booze. Girls, take everything from whatever you get. And that's the refrain. And written a long time ago, not necessarily I agree with that. Uh, <laughs> suppose you screeve or go cheap jack, or fake the broads or fig a nag. Thimble rig, nap a yak, you pinch a snide or smash a rag. Suppose you duff, nose or lag, or get the straight and land your pot. Where do you melt that multi-swag? Booze and blowins cop the lot. Spindler fence or mace or mac, moscaneer, chase a drag, dead lurk a crib. <laughs> Try it 
try and dead lurk a crib, chuck it, or do a crack, pad with sling, chuck a fact. Bonnet toot, mump or gag, rattle the tat and mark your spot. You'll never bank a single stag, because booze and blowins cop the lot. Suppose you try a different tack, and in the square you flash your flag. Penny a linin makes your yak, and with the muggers you mug and gag. For nicks, for nicks, the dibs you bag, and any graft, no matter what. Your merry goblins are soon stravag, with booze and blowins cop the lot. So it's up the snout with Charlie Wag, with wipes and tears and what not, before the screever nips your scrag, booze and blowins cop the lot. Thank Scott Casey, ladies and gentlemen. Please welcome Tom, with an H, to the stage. Where once the waters of your face. Where once, where once the waters of your face spun to my screws, your dry gro- ghost blows. The dead turns up its eye, where once the mermen through your ice pushed up their hair, the dry wind steers through salt and root and row. Where once your green knots sank their splice into the tided cord, there goes the green unraveler, his scissors oiled, his knife hung loose to out the channels at their source and lay the wet fruits low. Invisible your clocking tides break on the love beds of the weeds, the weed of love left dry. There round your stones the shades of children who go from their voids cry to the dolphin sea. Dry as a tomb your colored lids shall not be latched while magic glides, sage on earth and sky. There shall be corals in your beds, there shall be serpents in your tides, till all our sea faiths die. Dylan Thomas. Thank you. That is Tom, ladies and gentlemen. Give him a hand. And please welcome Bria to the stage. You died today, you frail grasping thing with your gleaming glass globes in their white rain cloud cups. You took your dirt with you took your soiled malignance that, ceremoniously, you had whispered of, compliant. Now your child wraps bleached rosebuds in your haste-stained parachute, as beneath you, many nighttimes permeate history in osmotic play. Enveloped by epics infinite, everyone's sunlight is also yours.
Bria, ladies and gentlemen, give her a hand. One poet left. Can you handle one poet? What if it's Robert Lashley? Then please welcome to our stage, Robert Lashley. This poem is called Ham Bone at the Barbecue Smoker. At the head of the line, in his sodium sky, his spices, salts, and pork fat fly unto an even December clouds. Hambone, Hambone, where you been? The side fryer crackles. Constellations of the side fryer appear then disappear. The wind's benign razors straighten the city block as the whistle hums. Hambone, Hambone, where you been? The procession braces. They rub their hands in and out of the, they, put, they rub their hands in the ice drafts. They put their palms in and out of their pockets to cut through the pretense of winter. They look and long for him, the talking drub major and its flips, pats, and seals. Hambone, Hambone, where you been? All around the world and back again. Hambone, Hambone, what you do? Cooked you a sandwich. Eat some food. Thank you. Robert Lashley. That's our show. And, uh, and, uh, and, uh, and I'm talking to you, new poet. He doesn't like to talk about it. Oh, poetry night.